You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. So we're one of six companies. We're the only junior nickel company to get funding out of this program. And what it's designed to do is to is to really allow us to scale up the test work where we can continue to show that the nickel from our Baptiste project in British Columbia can be recovered into concentrate and from concentrate then into a battery grade nickel sulfate uh, for the for that battery supply chain. So a great piece of validation, a very highly competitive pro- process. We understand there were more than 100 companies that made applications for this funding and we're one of the very few to actually get that money. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers, speaking today with FPX Nickel Corp, one of our sponsors and its president, CEO and director, Martin Turan. Martin, welcome back onto the show. Uh, you've been at PDAC over the last few days. Uh, what is the vibe like? If we could start that, you have some news out, but before we get to that, what is the vibe like at PDAC this year? Yeah, it's it's a good vibe. I think, you know, um, I, th- I kind of feel like we say that almost every year though. Um, hope springs eternal in the first quarter of every year in the junior mining market. And this year is no different. I think we've generally seen good price performance across uh, the metals in most uh, junior equities, um, maybe not to the levels where we all hope and dream it'll be. But uh, like I say, hope springs eternal. Uh, we'll see what the rest of the year has to show and whether we see that PDAC curse come into effect again or not. Well, you had some good news out today. You were able to raise money that was non-dilutive and non-repayable. You don't see that very often. Uh, 725000 Canadian dollars uh, issued by the government to support your project. Uh, what does this mean for the company? Yeah, it's a big piece of news for us. Um, so we, the, as you all, as you know, uh, as your listeners will know, you know, governments around the world have been responding to the kind of electrification theme with the development of critical mineral strategies. Uh, the United States has actually been a leader in that regard in the Western world. The passage of the Inflation Reduction Act by the Biden administration last year was a real landmark and provides for a lot of funding for the uh, for the critical mineral supply chain in the U.S. And the Canadian government is following in suit and really having to respond to that. Last year, uh, the Natural Resources Canada, which is the Ministry of Natural Resources in this country, announced a program uh, for funding of critical minerals research, development, and demonstration. Uh, a bit of a mouthful. Uh, but that that funding was designed to assist companies in advancing their projects, and in particular, in demonstrating that their projects can produce battery grade products for that supply chain. And that's exactly what this funding is has, has is for us. So we're one of six companies. We're the only junior nickel company to get funding out of this program. And what it's designed to do is to is to really allow us to scale up the test work, where we can continue to show that the nickel from our Baptiste project in British Columbia can be recovered into concentrate and from concentrate then into a battery grade nickel sulfate uh, for the for that battery supply chain. So a great piece of validation, a very highly competitive pro- process. We understand there were more than 100 companies that made applications for this funding and we're one of the very few to actually get that money. Are there specific strings attached to the money? No, there aren't really. Uh, their government is funding 50% uh, of a program that will allow us to do two things. One is to have a significant upscale in our pilot plant test work. So earlier this year, we released the results of pilot plant testing where we treated 17 tons of material. Uh, This next program that's being funded by the government will allow us to process something in the region of 60 to 70 tons of material. 
And that will produce a lot of nickel concentrate, which we can then produce uh, nickel sulfate from uh, in a very simple hydrometallurgical flow sheet. No conditions on the money, no repayment. And we think it's just a really strong validation of the technical merits of the project that the government would be willing to kind of go through that due diligence process and award us uh, with that money. Your project is in British Columbia. So did the provincial government have any say in this money or was this solely a federal decision? This was a federal decision. It was, we did gain support from the province, from the uh, Ministry of Energy and Mines in terms of support letter. And, you know, obviously building a base of support with both the provincial uh, uh, authorities as well as the federal authorities is a key part of what we do. You know, we're advancing a mature project, one that is very well understood from a geological standpoint through engineering studies. And in the years to come, we, we would like to get into the permitting process. And so having strong relationships with government officials, both provincially, federally, and with local First Nations is fundamental to really advancing this project to an ultimate construction decision. So when you look at your treasury with the addition of the 725,000, uh, where does that put you? About 17, 18 million, I estimated? Yeah, in the ballpark around 17 million. That's right. So we're fully funded through 2023 and well into 2024, probably into the Q2, Q3 of 2024. Um, and a lot of milestones and catalysts ahead of us that that will, will fund us for. Um, you know, at the same time, we continue to see a lot of interest from strategic counterparties for potential potential additional investment as well. So, you know, being in nickel, having a Canadian project, we're at the nexus of a lot of really interesting trends right now. And, um, you know, in some ways, though, I th don't think it's reflected in our share price, but in terms of the strategic interest right now, you know, FPX is kind of the bell of the ball. And I think there are other companies uh, like us in that same situation. And then, uh, I think at some point, the capital markets will, will catch up to that and, and reward the share price accordingly. And you're referencing a, a kind of a mysterious strategic investor. That was our last conversation, right? Uh, will we know who this strategic investor is sometime this year, do you expect? That's certainly a possibility. So yes, we, we uh, took on a new strategic investor last year with a private placement. Uh, that company bought 9.9% uh, of us. It is a, uh, what we've described in the news release as a corporate strategic investor. It is a large public company with an international footprint of operations. Uh, and we do believe, based on our engagement with them, that we may be in a position to announce their identity to the market at some point this year. And you know, I'm quite confident that we could see a very positive reception to that news when it is announced. Um, and it will... It will, I think, really signify the importance of the technical validation of our project that that type of investment uh, entails. Um, again, the investment done at a 27% premium to our share price at the time. So they bought about 10% of the company at 50 cents Canadian per share. You know, and, and recently, we've been trading in the range of 45 cents. So to me, it, great, it creates a great opportunity for investors to look at the stock at this level below where that strategic came in. My government here in the States, as well as your government up in Canada, are funding these projects. Obviously, you just received some money. Are you going to pursue any more government money to uh, move the Baptiste project further? Yeah, in, in, in a number of different fronts, absolutely. So just with respect to the United States, you may be familiar with the U.S. Department of Defense has something called the Defense Production Act, or DPA. Um, and that uh, is, a, is a program that has now allocated something in the region of a billion dollars to supporting feasibility study stage projects uh, in critical minerals, uh, where those projects are located, of course, in the United States, but Canada is also included in that. So we've had engagement with the DOD. 
We have been invited to uh, submit an initial application for that funding. And given that we'll be at the PFS stage with a completed PFS by the by September of this year, we're in the right commodity in the right jurisdiction and at the right stage of product advancement to potentially unlock that funding, uh, which would be very attractive sort of grant funding. Um, so that's an interesting opportunity that we're pursuing. We're also looking at other opportunities in Canada. You know, we would hope to have more news on that in the months to come. Um, you know, this time of year is when the federal government of Canada rolls out its new budget uh, for the fiscal 2024 year, which uh, ends, of course, in March of 2024. And I would anticipate, based on our engagement with government officials, that they're going to we're going to see a lot more, you know, initiatives providing real hard dollars to our industry, to the mining industry, as part of the overall critical mineral strategy. So I would say watch this space. And again, it's something to me that investors are sleeping on. Um, we don't anticipate that we're going to have to go to the market to raise money in traditional ways for a very long time here because between the potential for additional strategic investment uh, as well as a significant amount of, of government funding, which could go into the eight figures, um, you know, there's going to be great opportunities to really reduce the cost of capital for companies like ours and really bypass those traditional capital markets. Uh, and so the only way to buy stock really on 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 plays like FPX going forward will be in the market. So if you get eight figures funding from the government, would there be some sort of strings potentially attached to that big of a check? Uh, potentially. So that that can be in the form of grants that are on the one hand uh, either non-repayable or repayable. We've seen examples recently of some of some grants from the federal government of Canada provided to a lithium company um, in the fourth quarter of last year. That was a mix of uh, uh, non-repayable and repayable grants. The repayable piece, though, is only repayable once the project actually goes into production and it's generating cash flow. So it's very kind of long-dated in terms of those repayment terms and, and obviously very um, you know, friendly, I think, to the, to the junior company that received that money. And if you're bought out, then the company that buys you out would be responsible for paying that back. That would be part of the deal, of course. Exactly. It would attach itself to the project. So we saw General Motors invest in Lithium Americas. We wrote a huge check. Uh, what's your commentary here? Is this a trend we're seeing more, especially with battery metal plays such as yourself? 100%. Yeah. So that news you mentioned there just a few weeks ago, GM announced they're investing $650 million into the equity of lithium Americas. And that really is the, those are the table stakes now for car companies and battery companies to get rights to future production uh, via offtake agreements. Um, this is not brand new. That's maybe the one that's made the most headlines, but we've seen this going back to, to uh, 2022, other similar deals struck by companies like Stellantis, which is the former Chrysler, now known as Stellantis, invested in a lithium project uh, in significant quantities. They just recently invested in McEwen Copper for 150 million US dollars. Um, so these are some of the first of such deals, but they're not the last. Um, the car companies, as a matter of their existence, is are, are going forward. They're going to need to secure raw materials, okay? Because if they don't have raw materials, they can't build batteries. If they can't build batteries, they can't build cars. And if they can't build cars, then they're, they're not a car company anymore. So there will be winners and losers in the automotive industry. The losers will be the ones that do not secure raw materials. The winners will be the ones that do. And when they secure raw materials, they're going to have to write checks upstream. The GM and Stellantis investments are just the latest sign of that. 
uh, we're going to continue to see, in my view, a tidal wave of those types of investments in companies like FPX going forward. So a lot of times the major miners buy the smaller companies like yourself at strategic times in the cycle. Now we have automakers entering into the cycle, scooping up some of future production. How does this change the M&A cycle? It speeds it up and it creates a far more competitive landscape. You know, uh, prior to these types of deals getting done, you know, the likely acquirers for something like FBX would be one of the large diversified mining companies. And, and, you know, they would potentially compete amongst themselves for buying a company like FBX. But it's a relatively small number of companies, maybe something in the order of two dozen, maybe 15 companies that can uh, take on a project like this. Um, now there's competition from car companies, from chemical companies, from battery companies, even from stainless steel companies now who are having to think long and hard about where their nickel units are going to come from. So it's just like when you go to sell a house, Bill. Uh, ideally, you'd like to have 100 people show up at the open house instead of just five. And we're now in a position in the mining industry where the open house, so to speak, is full of potential buyers, and they're going to have to compete and pay the top price if they want to take home the prize. A good point. Your flow sheet, you had a pilot plant, as you've referenced already. You put out a press release since we last chatted. Give us an update of uh, what you were able to achieve here. Yes, we really hit a very major milestone in the project, which I don't think has been well recognized in the market. In late January, we put out the results of a pilot plant um, demonstration of our flow sheet. So you'll recall that the nickel mineralization here is new. There's no exact precedent for uh, this type of nickel operation anywhere in the world. So we've really taken that on and we keep ourselves to a higher standard in terms of the test work and the engineering work we do at this stage of project vis-a-vis what uh, other projects at this stage typically do. That really culminated with the completion of the pilot plant, again, treating around 17 tons of material. And that really validated and confirmed that the flow sheet we developed on the basis of lab scale or bench scale test work is not just validated, but in fact, we're seeing that the recoveries are actually going to be better. So as you scale up, Uh, the test work, you see certain uh, benefits of the high density of our mineralization that allows us to actually recover more nickel than we had previously assumed. So going into the pre-feasibility study, we're actually going to carry a higher recovery basis for nickel than we had carried in the previous study. You know, again, it's often said that the market doesn't care about metallurgy. And so that news release was met with a bit of a shrug of the shoulders by the market. But I can tell you, you know, based on our engagement with sophisticated strategic counterparties, a lot of people took note of that. And it's seen for what it should be, which is a major de-risking event in the history of the project. And one that really, uh, in a lot of ways, puts to bed the, the kind of the question marks that people would have had around metal- metallurgy here in the past. The uh, market often doesn't care about metallurgical results, as you've referenced, but it usually cares, at least in the right market, about exploration results. However, FBX has had exploration success at the Van Target, and I don't think you've gotten much love there either, have you? Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, we made a major discovery at our Van Target in 2021. This target is located about six kilometers away from our flagship Baptiste deposit. And we followed that up with a drill campaign in 2022. The last of those results was put out again in, in January, just a couple of months ago. And, you know, it continues to confirm that Van is, is, in our view, ultimately has the potential to be as large or larger than Baptiste and potentially with a higher grade uh, deposit of nickel as well. And again, you know, uh, the market kind of shrugged their, sh- their shoulders. This is by no means a high grade deposit. So when we put out holes, you know, the, the grades are viewed as generally low grade. And, you know, we, we, we acknowledge that. 
But the fact is we're adding significant mine life on the project. And ultimately what we're doing here is we're building a nickel endowment that would make this one of the world's major nickel mining camps, something to rival what the Russians have in Siberia, what Glencore and Vale have in Sudbury, or even what the Indonesians have. So this is not just multi-decade, but in fact, multi-generational nickel production uh, potential. And that has real inherent strategic value from for people in the downstream and all, as well as the large diversified mining companies. So Martin, could you just recap as we conclude, uh, upcoming catalysts, what should investors look for? Yeah, so the, ma- the major catalyst this year for us is the completion of our preliminary feasibility study in September. Um, so that, that is the next major project milestone. But in advance of that, we're going to have a few more news releases, uh, one on variability testing of metallurgy that, that will really recover or rather um, lock in the recovery basis for the PFS. In addition, we continue to do test work to show that we can produce that battery-grade nickel sulfate. So we'll finish that test work and should have results to the market by April or May. And then that rolls into that larger scale piloting that I talked about that's going to be co-funded by the government going forward. You know, we're also talking to a lot of strategic uh, counterparties right now. As I said, you know, we took on a large new investor last year. We've continued to see a lot of interest from other groups as well. So, you know, always, always a possibility of more news on the strategic front. And a few other things that um, you know that we're working on right now that I hope to be able to talk about very soon, but kind of some more surprises that I think that would be very positively received. And and uh, so kind of watch this space. I think is the main takeaway here. And there's still no warrant overhang on your stock, which is unique for a junior, especially a development junior, right? No warrants outstanding. Yeah, that's one thing I'm really proud of. You know, I've been running the company since late 2015, and you'll recall how difficult markets were in 15, 16, 17. You know, we kind of complain now in 2023 how tough the market is, but it's it's nowhere near as tough as it was uh, six, seven years ago. But the thing I'm proudest of is we've never issued a warrant in any financing we've done over that span of time. And uh, so that creates no overhang. And I'm also really proud to say that, you know, management and board own about 18% of the company. Uh, the company's been around for quite some time as a public company since 1996. We've never done a rollback or consolidation of stock. Management has only increased its ownership percentage since I've been in place. And um, you know that just shows the ultimate alignment with shareholders here. And, and at the same time, we've never been more confident in the ultimate outcome. We know we're going to sell this company. Where we have, you know, have more certainty in that regard than we ever have. It's just a matter of when and at what price. Company's website is fpxnickel.com, ticker symbol in Toronto on the venture, FPX, and in the States on the OTC, FPOCF. Martin, have a great PDA, uh, PDAC, what's left of it, and uh, thank you for coming on the show today with this update. Thanks a lot, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. 
The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.